Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Welcome back, everybody, to Not Another True Crime Podcast. I'm Sarah Levine. And I'm Danny Murphy. You know, we're your partners in wine, crime time, anything that rhymes. <laughs> Danny just got back from BravoCon. Thankfully, no crimes or scams were committed there. I mean, that I don't, not of. to my knowledge. Um, but that we did know you of. see that article that Monica is suing Heather, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, for botched injections? And it's funny because I think they're both having, like, it's like, you know, it's like, who said I love you first? Who sued who mm-hmm. first? Is kind of the new thing going on because Monica's suing Heather for botched injections, but Heather is suing Monica, I think, for failure to pay for things, which I don't know if that payment was about the botched injections. I don't know. I mean, I, both those ladies on the show, I enjoy. I have not had Botox or anything done yet, but if I ever do, I kind of want to do it at Beauty Life. <laughs> in the parking lot in a sprinter van. No, true, truly. I feel like I I don't know. I'm curious about what is going on with that. And like, are they gonna have to have the reunion at small claim uh, like at, at, at a court? small claims court? Oh my god, imagine. <laughs> yeah, I mean Judge Judy moderates. Sorry, Andy. That'd be great. Sorry, Andy, you'll have to he it could be like when Nicki Minaj stepped in for one of the Potomac yes. parts. Like Andy, you might just have to let Judge Judy pop in i know i also was like it's such small amount of money from a legal standpoint well i guess like from the standpoint of like the last salt lake city thing it was like jen shaw and that was like millions of dollars yeah but um it was like i think it was like like she's like behind on like six hundred dollars a payment and everything i'm like you take someone i guess you do gotta take someone to court for that but like yeah you do i always think i'm like don't the lawyer fees cost more like if you sue someone in small claims, you can't bring an attorney. Oh. Like you re- I think you represent yourself. So so Judge Judy could happen. And if this becomes a big enough thing, we are gonna have to cover it on the pot. It could happen. I hope so. Because also I don't know two housewives representing themselves in court. I would pay to watch that for sure. Juror number five is gonna get wine thrown. Oh my god. <laughs> like it's or like I know there's like, like or it's just gonna be so chaotic. I mean, yeah, so very curious to see how that shapes up. I they were not remotely friendly with each other at well i was reading on reddit that people were saying that monica was like alone she was she was very much that heart alone Uh song and that's sad at her first bravo con but i mean i guess uh we have to watch the rest of the season to see what she did what painted her into that corner by herself exactly and they always say utah's the place for crime well and also she didn't she like inform on jen shaw so truly she did. I yeah. I, I believe that is part of that uh, entire little circle of life. So yes. Yes. So she's on her vigilante shit. <laughs> so that we'll be keeping an eye on that. I maybe we should just uh, make this podcast a small claims court podcast. Can I tell you <laughs> dramatic readings of the kind of into dockets. it? It's the most petty stuff. Yeah. And I feel like today's episode is actually very timely. I didn't do this on purpose, but the SAG strike ended last night. Ah. Uh- Hey, congratulations to everybody. Not as, I mean, yeah, not a scam. Well, we'll see what Hollywood tries to, how they try to make that in their favor because we, I haven't read all the details. Yeah, whatever the AMPTP, is that it? I always mess it up. You say AM, I just go AM to PM. So, congrats to 
everybody and the workers and we're so excited to have tv again and movies yes um, and today we're going to talk about a Hollywood Ponzi scheme, so it all it all fits. Ooh! It all and I'm not just talking fun. about Hollywood because that probably is a Ponzi yeah. scheme. <laughs> I mean, at its core, yeah. So this story, actually, I remember reading about, I guess, two years ago when it broke, and I was like, "Who is this guy?" And just up top, so we got, I would say, the majority of our information here is actually just from the filings from the Justice Department and the SEC. So if anybody has any issues, call your local political power of office and have them connect you to the Department of uh, Justice. Yeah, um, but as always, we do put our uh, sources in the episode notes, but that's where we're getting a majority of the like crime information is just from the filings. So we're talking about Zach Avery, who ran this gigantic Ponzi scheme that I feel like nobody heard of. So he was born Zachary J. Horowitz, according to his IMDb. He was born in December 1986 in Berkeley. But according to American Greed, which did an episode on him, one of Zach's friends says he grew up in Indiana. Okay. I feel like that's kind of a lower level scam, but I feel every actor in Hollywood pulls this scam, right? Oh, about lying with a oh, where you're from, how you grew up, obviously your name. Are stage names a scam? I don't know. I don't I think well no, because those are actually I know a lot of the technical reasons for stage names is because like if a SAG actor, if someone's already in SAG with your name, they're like, we have to change that's it. fair. That's fair. And also Indiana, I'm like, that's a good sir, like India brag about being from Indiana. I feel like every person who moves to LA is coming from Indiana or like yeah. Ohio. Starry-eyed. That handsome, tall, nice Midwest vibes. Yeah, lean totally. on So apparently, um, Zach was a popular athlete, and um, his parents did really well. They had like a lake house in addition to their you know house that they lived in. Well, so that's balling as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> if you have a lake house, that's the 1% as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, JK. Um. So then, yes, he moved to L.A. to become an actor, as you do. Unfortunately, it didn't really seem to pan out for him. Okay. So according to his IMDb page, he's known, this is the quote, known for movies Minamata, which is 2020 film, Curvature, 2017, and Last Moment of Clarity, 2020 film. That's more than we could say. I mean, but I'm not trying to be an actor. Oh, that's true. But I'll say, you know, I'll give him, he got the trio. And 2020 seems like it was very booked for him despite the yes. pandemic. Well, I guess he was the one actor who was like, I guess even though it came out in 2020, he's like, I'll work in COVID. Yes. Well, so, okay, he was a producer on one of the movies, which, Minamata, which actually starred Johnny Depp, which I'd never heard of this movie, um, had a 78% Gross. on Rotten Tomatoes. Not so bad. Um, oh, not bad. Not bad. But he was only producing on that. Not only because you have to have a lot of money and stuff, but. He starred in Last Moment of Clarity, which was a neo-noir. This movie isn't even rated on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. So, like, nobody saw it. That actually is almost worse than it being panned. I think so. Well, The Guardian reviewed it. The Guardian gave it two stars out of five. Oh, no. I know. Not great. And the first sentence of their review reads, Brothers Colin and James Crystal and or actor Zach Avery must either be very well financed or ridiculously persuasive 
because they've managed to pull together a supporting cast and budget for this debut thriller that far exceeds what the script seems to warrant. Whoop. Oh, lordy, lordy, lordy. That's not good. Not good. I know that, and like, also it's so bad that like, because The Guardian, like, it's a place everyone is reading it, so everyone is seeing this being dragged to hell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they also write... At heart, Last Moment of Clarity is a slight, imaginatively thin B-movie, which doesn't so much as allude to Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window and Vertigo as outright steal from them brazenly, Oh, ending up with a limp neo-noir that unfolds in the streets of Paris and a classy apartment in Los Angeles. Ah! All I would read, I would read that entire review and I'd be like, I'm imaginatively thin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I'm like, well, thank you. I have been doing Pilates. (laughs) So that's the movie that he starred in. And that is how well it did. So he was also in a 2018 thriller called Trespassers that got 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Not the best average. It's better than half. Glass is more than half full. RogerEbert.com gave the movie one star and wrote, Screenwriter Corey Deshawn's pseudo-naturalistic dialogue is generally as unmemorable as the cast's flat performances. Oh. And also, it's like, I feel like they're like, so you're just dragging, you're just attacking everybody. You know what they should put in reviews? And I guess they do. Did you like one thing about it? One good thing? Yeah. They, they do usually. I just cherry-picked, they obviously. I'm sure, the, I'm sure the set was gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But That's I just so thought funny. it was funny that The Guardian was like, these. The Zach Avery must have a lot of money um, or be persuasive because like, I don't know how they pulled off this shitty movie. <laughs> and it seems like they were onto something because in 2021, Zach Avery was arrested for running a massive Ponzi scheme. So that writer probably was like, holy shit, I called it. They were like, oh, I'm onto something. Maybe I'm a crime writer. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and you could say this Ponzi scheme was his biggest role yet. I feel this one is, and this was highly reviewed. A lot of people, you know, but it is kind of funny to your point. Even the Ponzi scheme, which he is mainly known for, isn't the most known Ponzi scheme. So even <laughs> exactly. when he he can't make a headline to save his life. Oh my god, that's so true. The baby boy can't make a splash. Like he's just in the kiddie pool. <laughs> I think that's like the best poetic justice. Is like even in crime, he's still not a household name. Even though this Ponzi scheme was like a lot of money. So much money. I feel people more so are like just guessing about the finances of Brad and Angelina's Miraval vineyard sale versus oh God, that, this man Ponzi scheming. That's so funny. In April 2021, Horowitz was arrested on a federal criminal complaint. Uh-oh. I don't know you could get... I know it's not, doesn't mean that'd be so you get arrested for, for someone's complaining. Uh, I would put so many people in jail. Go, oh, Lord. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes. The way the streets would be empty. <laughs> <laughs> it would just be me. And I would then I'd arrest myself because like, I've just been annoying myself so much. I got to I gotta go ahead. He was charged with wire fraud. As like It's always the one. It's like the wire fraud and the mail fraud. They yeah. always get you. Well, this is – I was learning listening to a podcast and they were like, yeah, the reason every con man gets charged with wire fraud is because anytime you make a transaction with a bank or a credit card, like that's automatically wire fraud. Oh. 
So yeah, it makes sense. (laughs) Everybody tread lightly. I mean, just don't do crime. Do your crimes in cash, but not in the mail. Not, no. Because that's mail fraud. There's no um, handshake fraud yet. I mean, so you just got to go shake their hands with someone. But this it's like is where the, get- you get the money box that that guy Victor oh yes. or whatever at the yeah. money box. I'm like it should be growing soon. It's like Chichia Pet. It's in the corner. <laughs> like money should be coming out of there soon, shortly. Oh my god, though his victims allege that they put 227 million dollars towards an investment that never saw the light of day. That is insane amount of money, even for like the Hollywood vibes. It's so much money, and I think even the final amount of the Ponzi scheme was, like, much bigger than this. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So let's break this all down. In 2014, so almost went on for, like, a decade. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, seven years. <laughs> yeah. He started a company called One in MM, capital LLC. I'm like, you're one in a million in a lifetime. But oh, yeah, I'm like, okay. what a douchebag move to basically name your company one in a billion. Yeah. That's how like, many dollars you're getting back from the scheme. You put in a million, you get one back. One. And also I need everybody to know he spells it like how it would have to be spelled on a vanity plate of a car. <laughs> like, yeah. So that's how you like when you're – your ad sales are talking about KPIs and stuff. They just do two M's. Like, this is that. Yes, it's very T9 texting. So he then solicited investors for his company and told them their money would be used to buy regional distribution rights to movies, particularly in Latin America, which they then license on streaming platforms like Netflix or Max or, you know, Peacock, one of those, one of those, one of those. <laughs> I feel like Peacock is like the lower tier of the investment. You know how like there's always. I know. But now it's like the one I go on the most, I feel. Oh, yeah. Because of Bravo. Bravo. Yeah. And also now like Max is like very overwhelming to me because now it's like 20 million shows all at once. Yeah. I'll be back there when they have White Lotus or like a new crime miniseries. Girl, but... Not until 2025. I know. Until then. Yeah. You gotta I'll be go... on Peacock. You got to get BBC <laughs> for all the crime. True. Uh, in promotional materials for the investors, he claimed investing in one and mm was "quote unquote" safe. <laughs> I love someone to be like, "Guys, don't worry, it's safe." Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and he said this because we received confirmation from each of our outputs indicating their desire to acquire the rights to any title we purchased prior to us releasing funds for the film. So it, I don't know what that means. I feel it kind of means like it's like a signed, sealed, delivered deal where it's like. Oh, like investing in this is so safe because you don't even have to wait for an invest people to want something. They're just like, I want it. I got it. Well, isn't that the bare minimum? Like, why would you go acquire films that Netflix doesn't even want? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, of course, you would confirm with them, ideally, before you. Yeah, right. You would hope. I don't know. He also said HBO and Netflix were his strategic partners and his company brought out wealth of knowledge, reputation, and experience. How do you bring in reputation if nobody knows what your company is? <laughs> what reputation? What reputa- I guess your reputation of not like of being silent. He all obviously faked documents to convince his investors, including fake movie distribution agreements, which like I didn't even know those were really things you could fake, but I guess I wouldn't blame. I mean, I would blame, but I feel like expecting rich people or just anybody to read every page of a document unfortunately it's too much in this current generation well i do feel if you're running a big scheme like this you up like you have to fake documents like no one's just gonna take it on your word or an email or something you have to fake like contracts or something 
I feel fake companies are how Kinko stays afloat because all real companies would just use the printers from their office, but like, what's he <laughs> printing on this stuff? You know? He also promised returns of 35% or greater. I mean, yeah, I'll take that. He did all of this by selling fake promissory notes, many of which would be due in six to 12 months. Principal amounts range from 35000 to $1.5 million. That's a big change, a big range. And he did this mostly through word of mouth referrals, but he also solicited investors over the phone and through email. Like, just like, hi, do you want to you want to make it big in Hollywood type of stuff, I guess? I was going to say, like, imagine getting that cold email. Of what, what do you think it says? Like, hello, it is I, major movie distributor, Zach um, Avery. Yeah. Do you want to be dot, 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 one in a million? <laughs> like, very- Click this link. <laughs> and you know what? A lot of people, freaking dead. Yeah. A lot of people did. This was truly like a full-on Ponzi pyramid scheme combo because according to the affidavit, Horowitz raised five principal investors who then raised more than 200 downstream investors. He got to work. Yeah. Uh, I feel like truly like a a downline. Like he just had those people working for him and finding more people. Yeah. He's like, hey, you just word him out. Pass it on. Pass it on. Pass it on. Maybe that was the email... It got where it was like, forward this to 10 friends. Or you'll die. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Guys, I'm sorry. You got to, you got to pay. Like, yeah, it's out of my hands. Or else you'll have bad luck for seven years. And I'm not trying to mess with that. Uh, In order to get investors, he'd send them. So like, these are like the fake distribution agreements for movies. And here are some of the titles. Behind the Walls, which if anybody listening was like, oh my God, I love that film. Good for you because it got a 10% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. So I think you are the only person who's seen that. The only one. <laughs> uh, the other one was uh, Lucia's Grace, an Italian comedy drama. Okay, you know what? With a 60% audience score. Not bad. I'm kind of, I need to actually know what that <laughs> film But I'm also is. like, who, I mean, yeah, I'm like, who was putting their money to get these horrible movies distributed know, on Netflix? I know. Okay, wait. Is it bad I'd watch this? You have? No, is it bad? I want to. Lucia is juggling motherhood with her romance and a career as a land surveyor. When she realizes a new building poses hazards, a mysterious woman tries to convince Lucia that building a church on the troubled site is the answer. It gives me- That's so Italian of them. It's so Italian, so religious, like propaganda-y vibes that it just, huh? That's funny. Oh! Wait, if this is the right- It got nominations for things. What? The David Di Donatella Award for Best Actress. Okay. I'll give that one credit for something. For at least people, yeah. you know. A, yeah. A it's non- better than uh, than Behind the Walls. Behind so. the Walls. <laughs> you know what? Now, now if we're going to do the full circle, let me just find out what Behind the Walls is about, too. <laughs> a broken family desperately seeks a new beginning in a new home, but this house lives, watches, and wants them to stay forever. Okay. So every horror movie. Every. I feel like I've watched five horror movies this month that were kind of just in. This plot. That entire vein does not have any awards on that one. And I got to be honest, I don't recognize a single soul who's in it. I looked it up and I was like, I don't know her. I'm sorry to this man. You know what? They don't know us either. So it was all fair. It's true. Uh, One of them DMs like, I fucking went to Juilliard and I was Uh, I'm sure they did. I'm so sorry. (laughs) As for why people fell for this, the affidavit went on to say... Investors found it credible that HBO and Netflix had an urgent need for new content, 
were willing to pay a premium for that content, had the financial ability to do so, and would pay one in MM in a timely fashion for the rights they license. One investor stated that I believed that if HBO was involved, my investment was safe. To their credit, I do get where they're coming from. Yeah. I mean, they had fake agreements that HBO was involved. So it's like, you know, by all... Intents I don't know, purposes. By, yes, exactly. They had reason to believe that HBO was involved, you know. Then what are you going to do? Send an email to info at HBO.com <laughs> and be like, hey, can you confirm? Like, no. You DM so their social media managers like, oh my I don't know how to help you with this. Yeah. Oh, my God. But it makes sense because also all those streaming services do a lot of the mentality. I think it's only changing like now was just more is better. So they would just yes. throw so much. That's why it's like you can spend 45 minutes looking for a movie on Netflix because they just have so much content. That's true. Although I do feel at this time Netflix was like losing a ton of money. That happened in the beginning of 2022. Oh, Okay. But or that, that's when it was like uh, the end of 2021 was when it was first in the red. I want to say, noted. Yes, but it was but true. It was around that time. But also, I'm sure that's like when it started getting written about a lot. I'm sure Hollywood, the who's who's in Hollywood, knew the writing on the wall. Let's talk about the money because obviously there were no distribution rights. Zach just used the money to fund his lifestyle and also to pay out earlier investors because that's how a Ponzi scheme worked. So some of the extravagant purchases that he made include a little over $124,000 on trips to Vegas, Uh. $1.8 million on American Express credit card bills. Okay. Oh, I didn't know. I guess that's what I was like, credit cards can go that high. I know, seriously. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? Let me spread it out over 25 cards. No, truly. And then summon <laughs> cash. Yeah. $165,000, again, more, a little bit more, on high end automobiles, $137,000 on flights on private jets. Okay. Fifty-four grand on a luxury watch subscription service. Sir. Why Why does there need to be a birch box for everything? How many Truly. watches can one person need? There should We should dive into the, yeah, wh- how those keep on popping up. And also just, just get w- one Rolex and then you're Yeah, fancy. get a watch. Yeah. yeah. Like, what the fuck? I'm with you. Then he also bought a six-bedroom, eight-bath house in Beverly Wood that cost $5.7 oh. And I got to say, like, I feel like was one of the Oppenheimer, Oppenheim group girls, like, selling his house uh, because why does every fucking house in LA have twice as many bathrooms as bedrooms? Wait. What is that about? That is so real and I don't get like I guess like there's like some guest bathrooms but like why do you need all that? Also what is your yes. water bill? Yes. Every time I watch that show I'm like why is that the ratio that's preferred? I don't get it. Also I am someone who barely can like people myself so like I get just like the tasks of life really annoy me so when I'm like I for my singular bathroom have to get more toilet paper i'm like oh uh, my fucking god this yes. is so annoying to do that times eight you Lord. gotta clean eight toilets i mean these people aren't cleaning their own toilets but, but uh, i exactly it's annoying I, or make sure like the toothpaste little like <laughs> stuff on the sink is gone so that house had a gym a wine cellar a home theater and a private pool so oh my god i mean like that's pretty sick <laughs> that is and i guess for like hollywoody people a home theater really does it different 
I think what's actually more egregious is that he spent $700,000 decorating it using a celebrity interior decorator. Sir. 700000 How was that the how? Yeah. People just, <laughs> it's like that meme where it's like, when I win the lottery, I won't tell anyone, but there will be signs. Oh, wait, 2 million percent. That is that like, and I do my, oh, I would have so many signs, but that's why you got to always kind of spend, don't take this advice, people, what I'm about to say, <laughs> always spend kind of above your means so people will never what? know. Because <laughs> they're like, oh, that's so weird. Now he's like rolling around all that. You're like, but, no, but if you always kind of do it, no one will be suspicious. <laughs> yes. In the off chance you win the lottery. <laughs> Get into massive credit card debt. And other tips. This is not the finance podcast. So, um, The end of this man's schemes that was coming up because obviously there were no movies. So Horowitz had to just use new investments to pay back old investments. Oh, we've heard that plan before. A tale as old as time. Starting in March 2017, he had to start using new investors' money to pay out them off. So in March 2017, he made at least three payments to investors using funds raised from other investors, including but not limited to payments of like almost $900,000, about $700,000, and another like $720,000. So like almost a mil each. Yeah, that's a lot. A lot of money. And he was also like transferring some of this money into his own personal bank of account course. too, like during this whole time. He's like, sorry, there's fees. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I need a cut of that. In November 2018, Horowitz made at least four more payments to investors using funds raised from other people and also all around the $1 million situation. So this was not petty cash. In at least one instance, on or about the month of September 2017, Horowitz falsely represented to an investor group that he was personally co-investing in several of the promissory notes with them. Uh-oh. To be like, I, no, like, I'm, you know, I'm on the hook just as much as you, like, you know. My blood, say you're sweat, invested. tears, cash, all in this. So in 2019, one in MM stopped making payments to its investors. They're just like, you know what? We're done. I mean, all Ponzi schemes crumble eventually. They really do, like a little blue cheese on a salad. <laughs> Little gorgonzola crumbles. <laughs> and then Zach had to start coming up with excuses for why he couldn't give them back their money. Hey, guys. Yeah. He first, I kind of iconic. <laughs> yes. He first blamed Netflix and HBO for failing to pay him. <laughs> like, yeah, that's smart. Just point the finger. Point the finger, be like these streaming services. And again, to your point, Sarah, they can't email the help desk at HBO to be like, hi, do you know where my 800 grand is? Yeah, oh my God. Uh, he told one investor that while he had intended to sue HBO for non-payment, that he was instead able to obtain an alleged consolidation distribution agreement pursuant to which HBO would immediately pay its past due payments to one in MM. So he's basically just like, just wait, I got this agreement with them, like the money is coming. Kind of yeah, like those romance scams. Oh, yeah. Where they're like, oh, you know, I just need to borrow money. I'm waiting for a huge settlement. But once I get it, I'll pay you right back. It tugs on everybody's dreams. It's like, oh, the dream of love and the dream of money. He then also sent the investors fake documents, including a term sheet, which HBO Latin America Holdings, and a draft from uh, one of the consolidation distribution agreements with HBO Latin American Holding. All of that, you're like, okay, HBO Latin American Holding. Sounds legit. Looks legit, yeah. right? Well, there is no company called HBO Latin American Holdings. Uh, Yikes. And this is where not a single Googling happened to everybody else. I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying, like, Google didn't mean, did you mean 
You got scammed? So HBO Latin American Group is what licenses third-party rights for content distribution to HBO Latin America. Oops. Uh-oh. But he still kept these schemes. Big wheel keeps on turning. Proud schemes keep on rolling, as Tina Turner never sang, but kind of sang in that song. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in December 2020, he claimed a collections account was established at Freeway Entertainment, a collections account management company, and that HBO... So he's to- like, I'm sending Netflix to collections? I- I'm obsessed. You don't understand. <laughs> you don't understand? That's such an iconically insane power move. You're sending loan sharks to Netflix? Like, what? Chris Shell's like, now why am I in this? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so HBO also, they said that HBO deposited money due to one in MM in that account on multiple occasions. Oops. Uh oh. Spoiler alert, that didn't happen. He also sent fake negotiations between himself and HBO, and this is from the affidavit. So Horowitz claimed to copy and paste fake emails from HBO into text messages that he then sent to investors. Like what? Okay. That that's the point where I'm like, all right, a copy paste job, like not even a screenshot, not even a PDF. (laughs) Not even, right. It's very insane. Um, These included an email suggesting that HBO had future business deals for one in MM that would be very lucrative. So they're like, no, we promise you, like, we'll give you your money back and then some. And then some. And then some. But this is actually my favorite part because in March 2021, mind you, like a month before he's arrested, he starts telling investors that they could actually start giving him money to help with his legal counsel to sue HBO for payment. I'm, uh, it's impeccable. That's a great, that's hilarious. They're like, no, I know I owe you money, but I actually give more money so I can sue to get your money. Right. It's like, you're like, don't you want to play the long game and win? Yeah. I love that. Um, So yeah, he was arrested in April of 2021. And all in all, he raised $650 million for his Ponzi scheme. Um, Yeah, I've I've seen two figures. I've said like up to six. 50 million. I've also heard like around 230 million. So I'm not really sure, but I think that was like the total throughout the years. Insane. And I think the fucked up, well, the extra fucked up part is that apparently three of his closest friends were some of his investors. That's, and also you're like, you just want to tell them he was never your friend to begin with. Well, obviously. (laughs) They're like, okay, but where's my million? So in October 2021, he pleaded guilty to a federal charge of securities fraud. And in February 2022, he was sentenced to 20 years in federal prison. Damn. And he has to pay back more than $230 in restitution, Uh, which I'm like, good luck with that. I don't know if that is going to happen. But I'm also like, how did this man get more prison time than Elizabeth Holmes? Wait. I'm kind of surprised. That's a good question. Because she was dealing with people's like lively, like life. Like health, sort of. Yeah. And he just scammed a bunch of Hollywood people. And that's right. It's kind of just like f- fucked around with people at Soho House. Right. And he pleaded guilty. I don't know. That's very interesting to me. Mm. So prosecutors said defendant Zachary Horowitz portrayed himself as a Hollywood success story. Um, they wrote this in a sentencing memorandum. They say he branded himself as an industry player who, through his company, leveraged his relationships with online streaming platforms like HBO and Netflix to sell them foreign film distribution rights at a steady premium. But as his victims came to learn, 
Horowitz was not a successful businessman or Hollywood insider. He just played one in real life. Oh. <laughs> burn. That's burn, funny. baby, burn. It also is funny. He does really look like, he looks like, so, like on Google image, he looks like someone who went to acting school, but then was like, fuck it, I'll just try to go on The Bachelor. <laughs> I feel like he could have done that. He would have, you know, gotten more steady income that way. He really, 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 really showed up. Oh my God, and he has like kids too. Like, come on, sir. Yeah, but it's funny. I highly recommend everybody going to look at his headshots because he has like his face and probably just upon knowing what we know now, he does kind of have like American psycho-y Hollywood vibes in the sense where it's like the smile is just like, hire me. Or like, it looks like he would steal from me. Maybe we should put up a picture of him on the Instagram. Oh, we definitely should. Yeah, I'm kind of insane. Like, you're right though, 20 years. He should have just gone on The Bachelor. I'm looking at this guy. right? Yeah, he would have, I feel, done great. Or like, I could also see him like chilling, acting, living his life. It was very interesting. Well, I think he would have liked to be chilling and acting, but he didn't get in many movies. Well, I mean, acting in like, there are no small parts. Only small actors. <laughs> That's true. So sorry, he could have been having his time somewhere else. <laughs> That's true. Oh, Lord. But unfortunately, he turned to crime. He turned to crime, and that is why he was on the show. <laughs> his biggest part yet. He got booked here. So congratulations yeah. to all involved. And I mean, very good find, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, so that's that. I I love a good Hollywood scam. I feel like there's got to be so many of them. So many. So yeah, always keep us in the loop if you hear of any, or hopefully, I hope you were not, um, if you are part of one on the getting scam side, we're very sorry, but let us know. And if you are the one currently scamming, don't tell us yet. We'll find out when you get arrested. (laughs) Yeah, send us the the arrest warrant, affidavit, whatever. (laughs) We'll read it. But you can post all that in the group, Not Another True Crime group on Facebook, or follow the Instagram on Instagram at Not Another True Crime. Or you can follow me on Instagram at Sarah Lameem. And I'm Cashmere Danny, Cashmere the Kai. And thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Not Another True Crime podcast is produced by Jorge Morales Pico, Sean Kilby, and Rebecca Sosmacat. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at Not Another True Crime on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and send all of your emails to NATC at Betches.com. Betches.